Well, good morning. You know, one of my uh, favorite memories that's emblazoned in my mind is of a day a number of years ago when my family and I, with a couple of very dear and precious friends, were, were hiking in the Rocky Mountains. And um, we had driven partway in a four-wheel drive, had gotten out, and we were, we were about a mile into about a four-mile hike. We crested a, a mountain pass, and we, and we looked out, and it just took your breath away. The, the, the scenery, the, 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 the expanse of the view. Uh, there was a valley down below with, uh, with the, ringed by 13-plus peaks that were all tall. Uh, you had a bright blue sky. Um, it was just perfect. You had a nice breeze. You look down the valley, there was a stream staking its way through the, the valley, uh, and, and we just hit it just right. There were wildflowers everywhere lining the path all the way down, pink and red and blue and, and yellow and orange and, and white and purple. It was just gorgeous day. It was like the opening scene from uh, The Sound of Music where Julie Andrews spins around and sings The Hills Are Alive with The Sound of Music. That's kind of what it felt like. It just took my my breath away. And for a few moments, I had a, a sense of, of, of just deep joy and, and awe and a sense of rightness. You know, when you're like, okay, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. Everything's right. Everything's in, in sync. Maybe you've had experiences like that. I know I've had here and there. And, and often, most often for me, they happen when I'm in God's creation. Uh, maybe a beautiful sunrise or sunset that's just spectacular in the color on the horizon. Or, or we go on vacation in Minnesota. My wife's from there. Uh, I have memories of a, of, of a lake with the fog rolling in in the morning. The glass, it's like glass on the water and it's, it's beautiful. Or, or a thunderstorm, you know, the clouds rolling in and the lightning uh, illuminating the, the sky at night. You know, moments like those you just want to hold on to. You want to linger there as long as you can. But, but we can't, can we? As believers, I, I, as those who trust in Christ, I believe our, our, our first glimpse of heaven is going to be sort of like that. There's going to be a, a sense of awe and, and wonder and of rightness. Everything is right, in sync, exactly as it's supposed to be. Uh, and that, that first reaction, that first gasp will then lead to further encounters with sights and sounds and and, and tastes and experiences and senses that, that, that'll be beyond, be beyond anything we've ever experienced. And it'll go on, on and on and on. And that desire to hold on to it, we won't have to worry about it because it, it, will, it will never end. Today we're continuing the sermon series we kicked off last week as we're looking at the topic of, of heaven. It's a little bit different sermon series. Usually we'll pick, take a, a book of the Bible, a, a section of the Bible, and work our way through. But this time we're doing just a few, three weeks on, on uh, the topic of, 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 of heaven. And so what we're going to be doing today is, is quite simply, it's a little bit different. We're going to take about five or six or so questions that I often hear people ask about heaven. Um, some of them are basically universal. No matter who you talk to, if they believe in heaven, or they, these are the questions they ask. And there's a few other questions that maybe, maybe aren't quite as common, but uh, I want to ask them. I've got the microphone, so we're going to look at those today. So, okay, so the first one. And uh, you might think, well, this is kind of an odd question, but, but, but you hear it. And, and there have been times I've wondered as well, will we miss our old lives? I mean, there are certain things we absolutely adore about being alive in this world. Certain experiences, you know, a big sporting event or a game or a wonderful concert or a special food or, or just whatever it might be. There are certain things we just absolutely love in this life. Will we miss our old lives when we're in heaven? 
Well, one way to think about this is if you've had the experience of checking into a hotel, it's happened a couple times, not often. Some people happens to them all the time, it seems like. But you check in and you've made a reservation. It's a standard room. And, and they just kind of say, hey, would you, you know, could, would you like an upgrade? And you're like, well, how much is it going to cost? They say, well, it's complimentary. And, uh, and they say, well, this room has a suite. Uh, it's got a, a huge walk-in shower. There's also a, a tub with, with jets. I mean, and you're going to say, well, yeah, I'll take it. You're not going to sit in your old room. You're not going to sit in that beautiful upgrade and think about what it would be like to be back in the old room, would you? The upgrade from earth to heaven will be vastly superior to anything we experience here on earth. In fact, if we would miss something from our old lives, it will be available to us in heaven. Let me explain. Why would that be? Because we will experience all that God intends for us. All that we need to be completely satisfied, completely full of joy and of peace, with with no regrets, no what ifs, he will provide for us in heaven. So will we miss our old lives? No. Everything that we love about the old earth will be ours in the new earth in one form or another. That's important I add that, in one form or another, because you might ask, rightfully, well, aren't there things in this life that we love that we shouldn't love? Things that we might be a hunger for or, 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 or enjoy and we pursue those things and we know they're not good for us. What about those things? Or in this life, we often have a problem with ordering our loves. We maybe put our primary love and emphasis on something that should be far down on the totem pole at the expense or the neglect of what should be our, our primary love or loves. What about that? We're, we're flawed human beings. What about that? Well, in heaven, God in his grace and mercy and beauty and creativity will take those things and he will reorder them and he will redeem them. And in his, his wisdom and his love, he will take even those things that we love and pursue that, that aren't good for us, that are wrong, and he will take the, the desire and the hunger behind that pursuit and he will fulfill it in a much better way with something infinitely better. So in heaven, in every way, it'll be far superior to everything we see and experience on earth. We will not miss the old life when we are in heaven. The new earth will be the old earth version infinity point oh. All that matters from this life will be drawn into heaven to be part of the new earth. In fact, Jesus said this. We saw this last week in Revelation 21. Jesus said, behold, I make all things new. All things Transform everything, redeem everything, all things made new. So will we miss this old life? We'll get to heaven and we'll think it's ludicrous that we even thought about that question. Next, what will we become? What are we going to be when we're in heaven? What are we going to look like? Are we going to be old? Are we young? Are we going to have hair? Are we not going to have hair? What are we going to be when we get to heaven? Are we going to be unique? What are we going to be like? You know, sometimes people will say, well, we're going to become angels. I'm like, "Mm, I don't see that in Scripture. No, we will not. Uh, The the same person Paul writes about, the same person who becomes absent from his or her body in this life becomes present with the Lord. So we'll have our unique personalities. We'll be identifiable. We'll, we'll we'll, We'll still be created in God's image as something set apart from the angels. We'll be human beings in the best sense of the word. Not our very best sense of us in this life, but a, a version infinitely better than anything in this life. 
which means our bodies will be resurrected versions which will never decay or become diseased or die. Our minds will be free from confusion or temptation or, or distractions. What will we become? We'll be the very best version of us. Why? Because we'll become like Jesus. We'll be like Jesus. What does that mean? First John 3, 2 says this. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And what that means is that all of, of me, all of you that's frustrating and, and confusing and, and painful, or, or it's a struggle, your personality or your body or your mind or, or how you, your attitude, whatever your perspective, all of that will, will be gone. We'll be, our very, we'll be like Jesus Christ. We'll be the very best version of ourselves because we'll be transformed and, and made like him. Next question is one you may not have thought about, but I've had some conversations. Will we be tempted in heaven? Will it be possible to sin in heaven? Will it be possible to rebel and resist God? And people say, well, that happened in the Old Testament, right? Satan and a third of the, the angels were cast out of heaven. They rebelled against God. They didn't trust God. They were jealous of God. They didn't believe God, that God was holding out on them, um, that they should be the, in charge. They should be the rulers, and they're cast out. They were in heaven, and they were tempted, and they fell. How about, how about us? Could that happen? And I would say, no. And, and, and this is a big reason why. We have something available to us. We have something that's done for us and in us that, that wasn't the case for them. What is that? We have Christ's righteousness. We have Christ's righteousness. We will fully experience and receive his righteousness. We'll be made like him, and that means that we will be free from temptation once and for all. We will see sin as God sees it. There will be no appeal, no, no attraction at all. We'll be made like Jesus. Next, this is a big one. Will we have anything to do in heaven? Will we have work to do? Will we have a job? You know, we all spend most of our lives working. And then we retire and we still continue to have projects and we volunteer. We have jobs that we do and things we perform. Um, you know, is heaven going to be one long extended vacation where it, we kind of enter, kind of go back and forth between a great worship service. Let's go relax. Let's eat. Let's do, I mean, back and forth with no, nothing to do, no work to do. No. How can we know that? Well, uh, we look back when God first created the, the heaven and the earth. He put the first humans there. This is, this was, this was perfect. This is when humanity was in perfect sync with God. What does God do? He gives them something to do. He gives them responsibilities. He gives them a job. They are stewards of the world and all in it. It was a part of what it meant to be in sync with God, right with God. I mean, God himself is a worker. He doesn't just create the world and stop and rest the rest of the time. Jesus said about God, my father is always at his work to this very day. And then Jesus says, and I too, I too am working. So in heaven, we'll have work to do. But, but it won't be like here where, I mean, you, you may love your job. You, you may love it, but there's always a small part of it that like, ah, I really don't like doing that. It's paperwork or, or phone calls or this or that or whatever it is. You don't like it, but you have to do it. So you do it. In heaven, we won't, the work that we have will be always something that's satisfying, enriching, 
challenging, a work that we just can't wait to get to because we'll be creating and accomplishing all these things for God's glory. I mean, think about the feeling you get when you've done something, you've worked at something, you've solved a problem, and that sense of, of just, you just it, fulfillment, you know, and, and it feels wonderful. Uh, you nail it, you get it right. That's the sort of feeling that we're going to have from our work in heaven because it's work given to us by God, created for us perfectly in sync with who we are, and it'll be for God's glory. So yes, we'll have work to do in heaven. Uh, next one, real quickly, what will we feel? Uh, what, what, what emotions will we have? We're not going to be automatons devoid of, of certain emotions. We'll have the ability to, to, to laugh and to, and to have joy and to feel love and to feel appreciation and, and, and to feel peace. We're told that there'll be, there's, there's, there's a sense of a, a banquet and feasting and singing. You know, all the negative emotions that we have will be eliminated. We saw that last week where uh, Revelation 21 said he'll wipe away all the tears from our eyes. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. There might be joys of, uh, tears of joy you know, when we see Christ for the first time. There might be tears of joy when we reunite with loved ones. There probably will be. But we'll feel joy and excitement and awe and gratitude and love and peace. No regret, no remorse, no guilt, no shame, no worry. This is a big one, the next one. What will we know? What will we know in heaven? I mean, we've got questions. We, we want answers. Um, you know, we're curious. We're, we're created by God to learn, to pursue knowledge and truth. We want to understand things. That's innate in who we are as human beings. We see this in kids as soon as they can speak. Why, Daddy? Why, Mommy? Why do I have to wash my hands? Why do I have to eat this? Why do I have to go to bed? Why do I have to share? Why is the sky blue? Why? And we grow up and we continue to ask questions. Why did this happen, God? Why don't I have this, God? Why am I this way, God? Why is life so hard? We use the other interrogatives. When, God? How, God? Who, God? What, God? I used to think that all my questions would be answered in heaven. And I think a lot of them will be. I think we'll be able to connect the dots with a lot of things. Oh, I get it now. We'll see the, the, the bigger picture. But I've also come to think that perhaps I won't care anymore about having all the answers because I'm going to be with God. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul writes this about our future with the Lord. He writes, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. So you might say, well, Paul says we're going to know everything. We're going to know fully. Maybe, but I think what he's talking about is, is us fully knowing God, fully knowing his love, fully knowing his, 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 his presence, his, 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 his character. Verse 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 
in fully knowing and experiencing God's love and presence, many of our questions no doubt will be answered. But perhaps some of them will simply fade away in the full experience of God's love and presence. Because God alone is omniscient. God alone is all-knowing. Yes, when we die, we'll see things far more clearly and we'll know more than we do now. But I doubt we'll, we'll ever know everything. And I doubt in the presence of God, fully knowing Him, that we'll really care that much. What will we know? We'll know much more. But most importantly, we'll know the love and presence of God. Next one's a real short one, but I've had some people ask me this. Will we know each other? Short answer is yes. <laughs> yes. As you read through um, the Gospels, you read through Jesus' teaching, you read through Paul's writing, it's very clear that in heaven we will know each other, we'll recognize each other. Um, we'll, we'll not only be fully known by God, we'll be fully known by each other. Which is a cool thing to think about. No barriers, no obstacles, no misunderstandings because of personality or perspective or, or whatever. We will recognize our loved ones. We'll recognize an acquaintance from years ago. We'll be fully known by God and fully known by each other. There, which means no need to worry about name tags or forgetting somebody's name at a worship service. Last one we're going to look at. We'll look at some more next week. Will it be boring? This is, this is a kind of a, the idea that you see in a lot of culture. Heaven's going to be kind of, won't it be boring? I mean, you know, uh, uh, and, and it's hard to think of it as boring when you look at how the Bible describes it. But I think the reason this question is asked is because of misconceptions. Because some people get the idea we're just going to sit around and sing all day and they don't really like singing in this life. So, man, that's going to be really, or, or there won't be, you know, t- jokes or whatever. But note the assumption behind this. The assumption is, is that sin is exciting and being with God is boring. Now, believing in this assumption means you've fallen for the devil's lie because in reality, sin robs us of fulfillment. In the end, sin leaves us empty, makes life empty. And we're going to see God as he truly is, which is going to be an endless reservoir of fascination, isn't it? But maybe some still aren't convinced. Maybe you resonate with Billy Joel, who wrote the lyrics, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The saints are much more fun. Now, if he's singing about people who walk around with a a sour face and they're serious all the time and they look down on others, well, then that's one thing. But my rebuttal to to that would be, is it going to be boring heaven? It would be simply... Jesus is going to be there. And everybody but the uptight religious leaders seem to be fascinated by Jesus, love being around Jesus. He's called a friend of sinners. He goes to dinner parties. He goes to wedding receptions. He teases his disciples. He jokes with them. Crowds flock to him because of his teaching and miracles, but, but also because they just they want to be around him. They're drawn to him. They're attracted to him. Jesus tells a parable about heaven being like a a great banquet with all the best food and drink and music and laughing and and connecting with people. Will heaven be boring? No, because a lot of reasons, but primarily because Jesus is going to be there. You know, know, last night, uh, 
I, I sat down next to Nancy and we were kind of flipping through the TV and, and about the Shawshank Redemption was on. And so it was about halfway through. So we started to watch. It's a classic movie and Stephen King uh, novel turned into a movie and it's set in a prison in Maine and there's two main characters. There's other, but there's two main guys. One of them is a guy named Andy. Uh, uh, he was a banker, a uh, very bright culture guy. Uh, and he's, a, he's convicted of murdering his wife and her lover. He's thrown in prison. Turns out, spoiler alert, later he didn't do it. But he's in life, in prison for life, it looks like. The other character is Red. And uh, he did do what he's in prison for. He committed a murder when he was robbing a bank or something. And he's thrown in prison and they become friends. And there's a point towards the end of the, of the movie where they're sitting in the prison yard. They're leaning up against a wall and they're talking. And Andy's just kind of daydreaming out loud. He's talking about how he has this place. He, there's this place in Mexico, Mexico that by the ocean. And, and you know, someday he's going to be there. And how wonderful it would be to be free and to kind of do your own thing. And kind of life deserves I deserve that. I mean, it's not asking for too much. And, and Red gets concerned because... You know, his friends, this is not going to happen. This is not reality. And so Red says, in here, hope is a dangerous thing. And then eventually Andy does escape. And then Red gets out on parole. And he remembers something Andy had told him. He said, told him to go to a hayfield to find a box and there'd be something in there for him. So he goes there, he's there's some money, and there's a letter. Kind of saying, hey, if you want to come join me, remember where it is. But he says this in the letter. He said, remember, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Paul said these three remain, faith, hope, and love. These three, after all is said and done, these three, rings, these three, three things remain, faith, hope, and love. You know, in the book of Hebrews... In this life, faith is described as confidence in what we hope for and assurance of the things that we, that we do not see, that we haven't experienced yet. Well, in heaven, we will see what our faith longs for. And our confidence in the hope of heaven and the promises of heaven, those will be rewarded. Faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest of these is love. So when it all boils down to the primary thing we will experience in heaven is love. The love of Jesus who knows us fully, accepts us. The love of loved ones and friends who know us fully. And the love of brothers and sisters in Christ who we, have, we haven't met yet. We haven't even heard of yet. Who will know us fully. We will be fully known just as he fully knows us. Love, pure, unrestricted, total, will be our greatest experience, our greatest gift. And that is the hope, the sure hope that we have of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope we have of heaven. We thank you, Lord, that uh, all the things that frustrate us about ourselves and about this world will be redeemed, be purified, will be removed. All things will be made new. So Lord, help us to, to find hope from that, a sure hope. 
to find assurance from that, that the things we long for and the things we have not yet seen or experienced will be ours in heaven. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we offer ourselves to you in your name. Amen.